Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Mr. Speaker, Jen Biddlecombe is the parent of an autistic child who watched the Minister of Children and Family Development in question period yesterday. She says, and I quote, the minister did not respond to any of the questions. No straight answers on how anything will work. My concerns were not addressed. In fact, I was angry at her response, end quote. Can the minister tell Jen and thousands of other parents across the entire province why she has decided to claw back essential funds for parents who want to support their autistic children. Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Thank you to the member for the question. I do understand that there are many concerns out there in community and uh, I'm really um, want to hear from families and we now have opportunity to be listening to families um, and listening to stakeholders, not only families with children with autism, but also all those other families that have been shut out of a system for far too long. Mr. Speaker, uh, what I can reassure families is that there will be services available rather than having to wait two years for a diagnosis and then have to scramble and build a patchwork of services for their child. Parents in the future will be able to bring their child into a hub, connect with a professional and work with a multidisciplinary team and build a system of services around their child and youth. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, what the Minister conveniently leaves out of her answer is the fact that this is nothing more than a clawback. There are parents in British Columbia who have worked tirelessly to ensure that their children have the services they need today and in the future. It is a clawback of existing funding. The minister stood in the House yesterday and repeatedly said that it's important to listen to parents. Well, I can assure you that we know this minister's inbox is overflowing with feedback from parents who are upset, who are anxious, and in fact, as we heard earlier, who are angry. She's received more feedback in the last week than in all the time that she was discussing this decision. Where? behind closed doors. So let's have a listen to what else Jen had to say. And I quote, I am all for families getting the care they need, but it shouldn't come at the cost to others. The minister did not answer whether support systems that are already in place will be able to continue. In fact, families don't want what they have in place currently to end, end quote. Will the minister reverse her decision to claw back essential funding from parents all across British Columbia who simply want to continue to provide for the care of their autistic children? Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. 
Um, and nothing immediately is happening in terms of autism funding. And I can reassure members of this House that our ministry has been making investments every single year in my ministry, including in respite, uh, a budget lift of $13 million this year, and uh, a, a $10 million investment, the first time in 20 years, in really vital equipment. I will be listening to families and I will not be listening to the other side of the house who yeah who brought in four billion dollars in cuts Members. and cut 15 million dollars from children youth with support needs member for West Vancouver Capilano Mr. Speaker, parents and advocates that listened to the minister yesterday in question period were mystified by her suggestion that the right time to consult is after a decision and announcement has already been made. Quote, and I'm quoting Autism BC, I think that's very important for you all to understand. Quote, we, Autism BC, deny that MCFD had consulted us in their decision to terminate autism funding. We met with the minister for the first time for 30 minutes on October 15th to highlight our concerns and the lack of consultation from the 6,000 plus members of the autism community. They disregarded our requests, end quote. That was Autism BC. Can the minister tell us why she would claw back individual autism funding instead of increasing overall support. Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. We have been increasing support. Children and youth are very important to us. Our budget has increased year on year since 2017. The other side, when they were in power in 2001, cut 34 million from child and youth Members. mental health support. $185 Minister million dollars from child protection. Wow. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano, supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Minister may want to look at some of the Twitter comments about uh, the great work that the BC Liberal Party did in their time supporting increases Let's in the autism community. Let's listen to the question, community. please. But this is the same Order. minister who rejected the recommendations of the representative for children and families, children and youth, to extend pandemic funding that was cut last September. So it is a little hard. Members. It's a little hard for parents to take the minister at her word. The minister is wrapping herself in the idea of improved services while doing the exact opposite and clawing back support. Ashley Gordon has this to say, quote, this is doing our children and families an injustice. Clearly the decision was made by people who have no idea what it's like to live with autism and how difficult it's going to make it for families who struggle to even get out of the house, end quote. Will the minister stop this injustice, Mr. Speaker, and stop clawing back funding from Ashley's family? Minister of Children and Family Development. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I can reassure the member and families in British Columbia that services will continue to be provided to families where their children have been diagnosed with autism. And in addition to that, the other families that I hear from, Honourable Speaker, with children with brain injury, with uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, with um, other developmental delays, 
they will also get services. They have not been receiving services until now. We're going to build a public system so that there's a safety net of supports for all children and youth with support needs, including children with autism. Member for Saanich North and Islands. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, BC has the highest rent uh, in the country. In fact, a report published in October found that BC had the highest quarter-over-quarter quarter change in average rent. Rent increased 7.2% over the last quarter. The results are in the listings. In Vancouver, in October, the average price of a one-bedroom apartment was $2,155 per month. These numbers impact people. People are spending so much on rent that they're unable to save up or pay off student debt. They can't find housing near work or their families. The constant worry is having negative health effects. Researchers, researchers call this housing affordability stress, and it's exacerbating mental health challenges. All of this is because rent is out of control. Through you, Honourable Speaker, to the Attorney General and Minister of Housing, does the Minister realize just how difficult it is for millions of British Columbians to pay rent? Attorney General and Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question and, uh, and for his spotlight on housing. I think housing is one of the most important issues in the province, and the shortage of rental housing is one of the most profound challenges uh, we face. Uh, we're making some traction on getting new rental housing built. Uh, we have an issue where our population is increasing far more dramatically than our rental housing supply is. In that situation, rents are going up, uh, and there's huge pressure placed on tenants that are in lower rent housing as landlords want to evict them and bring in uh, folks that uh, can pay more. And so what we need to do is build housing, and rental housing in particular, at a very large scale. We have $2 billion going into the housing hub to build rental housing. And the This is just the start as we work with municipalities to streamline approvals. We've got 11,068 uh, new rental housing units registered already in 2021. Uh, when you look at uh, the previous government, not even close, Honourable Speaker. We have uh, uh, more purpose-built rental units registered for construction by June in 2021 than the old government ever registered in an entire year, Honourable Speaker. Member for Saanich Northern Islands, supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, the minister is correct. There's, there's been a number of uh, actions that have been taken over the last uh, three years. Uh, the problem is, is that uh, over that time, um, the affordable rentals are out of reach. They, they don't exist because the rental market uh, is out of control, Mr. Speaker. And um, the, the, the programs that the minister referenced are all programs that are going to fix a problem in the future. The problem is, exists now for British Columbians. Uh, it's all over social media, people talking about their stories and the, the lack of affordability in their housing. The, the extreme challenges that our cities and towns are facing are, are challenges that are being faced now. So through you, Mr. Speaker, to the minister, um, these efforts that the government's uh, outlined have not gone far enough. People need support now. What is the minister doing now to make uh, rental housing more affordable. Attorney General. Well, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. One of the great challenges of the, the housing problem that we were left with is that there's a real lag between government programs starting 
and the delivery of that housing. The member is absolutely right. So that's why we put a number of members. I've already outlined, Honourable Speaker, how much better we're doing on rental housing starts than the previous government. I, I think they should be a bit cautious, the opposition, about jeering. Um, so, with, with respect to what we're doing right now. Let's listen to the answer, please. Attorney General. Yeah, that's fine, Member. That's so, okay. So, so far this year. And here in the opposition, so far this year, over 11,000 purpose-built rental homes registered in BC. That's five times the yearly average, average when the opposition is in power. Just to, to give them reality. Plus 2% rent increases of the old government. We put a ban on rent increases during COVID. We have uh, limited rent increases to inflation only. We have increased the availability of the safer subsidy for seniors so that they're able to stay in their housing. We've increased money available for seniors to retrofit housing so they can stay in their housing longer. We have increased resources to the residential tenancy branch, with the enforcement branch, by the way, that the previous government put in but never funded to support tenants and landlords. got a lot more work to do. The pressure is continuing, and we Members. will continue that work, Honourable Speaker. Member for Abbotsford West. Uh, thanks, Honourable uh, Speaker. My question is for the Minister of Forest. Uh, I understand the uh, Minister and the Government are poised to uh, make an announcement that will have profoundly negative consequences for people who derive a living from working in BC's forests. As the, uh, the details emerge, experts and stakeholders are already sounding the alarm bells. The imposition, the imposition of these uh, land use decisions, uh, we are told, will result in the closure of upwards of 12 mills right across British Columbia an overall reduction in the AAC of between 15 and 20 percent, and the loss of somewhere between 12,000 and 15,000 jobs. Uh, my question to the minister is, has the government completed a detailed socioeconomic study on the impact these land use decisions are going to have for British Columbia's forest-dependent communities forest-dependent families, will she release it now so that people will know how many mills are going to close and how many thousands of British Columbians are going to lose their jobs? Minister of Forest. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I want to thank the member for the question and thank, <clears throat> excuse me, thank him for his interest in forestry now, something that they didn't have when they were in... Uh, So we have a new vision for forests. We have a new vision for forests in this province, one where our oldest and ancient forests are protected, one where Indigenous peoples are full partners in sustainable management of the forests, and one where workers and communities benefit from a sustainable, innovative forestry that will have jobs for generations to come. And
We are online to, to make sure that we are meeting the commitments of the recommendations of the Old Growth Strategic Review. And of course, we are doing uh, economic analysis. But for now, we were going to be announcing um, our process for deferrals. We also will be announcing um, how we are going to move forward in working in collaboration and cooperation with Indigenous nations, because that was the number one recommendation from the strategic review. I, I think it would be um, highly um, inappropriate to put people at risk to say that we're going to defer and not have socioeconomic analysis done, but also not have the supports in place for communities, for workers to make sure. Something that the previous government never did when over 30,000 people lost their jobs in this forest industry in this province. Member for Abbotsford West, supplemental. Thanks, Honourable Chair. Well, we'll, we'll come to the, uh, the issue of uh, First Nations involvement and their uh, response here just in a few moments because uh, it is uh, emblematic of the response the Minister is getting uh, from virtually every quarter uh, on this. Look, um, she apparently uh, is not going to release a socioeconomic report, and the reason she's not going to, uh, because her own ministry has confirmed they haven't done one. They haven't completed one. She is... The minister uh, is about to, and I think a moment ago just did confirm, uh, that she and the government are about to defer and suspend existing cutting permits without compensation. Mm -hmm. They are apparently going to cancel the very... <laughs> uh, BC forest-dependent families won't be smiling at the end of the day, I can yeah. guarantee you You're that. They are uh, poised to cancel the very BC timber sale licenses that the value-added sector rely on for their survival, Mr. Speaker. And they are embarking upon all of this in the absence of a detailed socio-economic report that will confirm not just where those mills are going to close, but the impact that is going to be felt by thousands of forest-dependent families. Will the minister confirm that the reason she's not releasing a detailed socioeconomic report is because she doesn't have one? Minister Forrest. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And again, I, I'm, I'm really happy to have this discussion with this member. And, and I'll be making uh, further announcements this afternoon. And I will be more than happy to show the opposite side of the House how it is we support workers in this province, how it is we support it is we support communities in this province, but also how it is we actually have a vision 
for a forest industry that not only is sustainable and is going to be here for generations to come, we are supportive of forests that also are not only here for harvesting, they are here for clean water, clean air, and to ensure that they're providing all of the biodiversity they need to provide. We have a vision for forests in this province, and we are going to be sharing it, and I'll be happy to discuss it with the member opposite. Member for Abbotsford West, second supplemental. Thanks, Honourable Chair. Uh, you know what part of that strategy uh, involves that the minister seems so uh, proud to uh, tout uh, at this point in the in the house? It's to bridge people to retirement. That's the plan. Bridging people to retirement. That is that is hardly a strategy. We know what it says. That is hardly a strategy for long-term economic stability. You know, is there a worse time in the history of this province to layer on uncertainty for families and British Columbians? We've come through this incredibly difficult time, and the minister and the government choose this moment to make land use decisions that we know are going to put thousands upon thousands of people out of work. I'll ask one more time. Will the minister release the detailed socioeconomic uh, report? If she won't, will she confirm that she's not prepared to because one simply hasn't been done? Minister. I look forward to releasing uh, all the information this afternoon, and I'll be only too happy to discuss it with the members opposite. Member from Nechako Lakes. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. And uh, you know what I find interesting is we just heard earlier today uh, on autism funding um, how the government says one thing about consultation uh, and yet does another. And we just heard now from the Minister of Forests how Indigenous people are full partners. And I want to actually quote the Premier from back in June, where the Premier said <coughs> said this around forest management, and I quote: "The first step." must be respecting Indigenous land management rights in their territory." End of quote. Well, the BC First Nation Council has already issued a press release regarding the Minister's announcement coming this afternoon, saying the NDP has done just the opposite. NDP, no delivered promises. Chief Bill Williams put it simply, and I quote, the honour of the Crown cannot be met through fundamentally flawed consultation." End quote. So through you to the Minister, why have First Nations been left out of the decisions that will impact them directly? Minister. Um, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I, I thank the member for the question because uh, he's right. We are very passionate about the uh, collaboration, government-to-government -government discussions with Indigenous nations, and also ensuring that it is with the rights and title holders. I respect and, and really appreciate the work done by the, the First Nations Forestry Council, and the work that we are doing and continuing to do have been with the rights and title holders, and we will continue to do that. Member for Lake, supplemental. Thank you, uh, uh, Honourable Chair. And uh, I find that, that comment quite interesting. And I, I want to quote um, uh, Clay Tyndall, who is the general manager of Forest Operations for the Little Watt Nation, who suggests any 
<coughs> sorry, who says any suggestion that the province has involved First Nations and forest decisions are absurd. And I quote, the Lillooet First Nation just spent several million dollars to purchase a forest license in their territory so that they could have a bigger say in decisions regarding forest management in their territory. And now the government comes along and is trying to tell the nation what they can and cannot do. End quote. That's a quote. That's a quote directly from the press release from the First Nation Forest Council. First Nations have repeatedly offered to work collaboratively with this government. This government has stood up and touted working with First Nations. But the NDP have, according to the First, to the First Nations Forest Council, have, and I quote, chosen to do their own thing, end quote. Can the minister explain why she has chosen to do her own thing instead of working with First Nations? Minister of Forests. Th uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I will reiterate, our government is committed to government-to-government -government discussions with Indigenous nations, rights, and title holders. We are doing that, and we will continue to do that. Official Opposition House Leader. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. None of the Minister's answers actually uh, stand up today to any scrutiny whatsoever. We've heard about reports from industry and concerns of industry of what will happen and the lack of socioeconomic uh, reviews and planning by this government on what their decisions will actually mean to those workers in those communities. We've heard about a lack of consultation and First Nations themselves saying this. This is not us inventing quotes. This is from a press release. It gets released right out before the minister's announcement from the First Nations Forestry Council. So here's the facts from one of the industry reports. That's a current and recent report. Four of the mills and a third of the shake and shingle industry will close on the coast, Mr. Speaker. And I know the members from Surrey on the other side seem to think this was a laughing matter. Shortly, they might want to talk to their shake and shingle mills in Surrey about this. Five mills and two veneer plants in the interior will close. And the pulp and paper mills will close and be on severe curtailments throughout the province. This is going to lead to at least 12 mills closing across BC. Again, where is the minister's analysis and plans to help communities and impacted workers from the decisions that this government is embarking on? Minister of Forests. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank the member, but I, I know I think it's highly inappropriate to speculate on deferrals that haven't been made yet, to speculate on mills that are going to be closed if we haven't even had those government-to-government -government discussions concluded with Indigenous nations on whose traditional territory those mills are. I mean, I We have been doing the work, Members. industry knows, workers know, communities knows, and Indigenous nations certainly know that we have been doing the work after we received the, the report from the Old Growth Strategic Review. We have brought together a technical advisory panel looking at, at the different areas of the province, looking at those rare, iconic, those, those ancient old growth trees that are at risk to irreversible loss. You know, we're looking at how we're going to manage our forest industry so that it's managed in a sustainable way that is here for generations to come. And we will continue to do that because that's what's right for the province, that's what's right for workers, for communities, and that's what's right for our forests.
Opposition House Leader Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, these are very serious concerns from industry, from Indigenous leadership and Indigenous communities, and the businesses that are impacted by the work that they do in the forest industry. And the Minister to date, so far today, has not been able to provide any assurance whatsoever or actual verification that they have actually done proper socio-economic modelling on what will happen with decisions that will be made and announced this afternoon. There are over 10,000 businesses that work in forestry. This includes 30,000 indirect jobs like equipment sales, machinery repair and environmental consulting. There's also uh, extra jobs like in diners, cafes, grocery stores that rely on forestry workers to shop there. All of that needs to be looked at, but it hasn't been by this government. And this minister refuses to acknowledge that they avoided that so again, why on earth won't the NDP share a study on what the impacts of today's announcement will be, or have they not done a study at all? Minister of Forests. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And again, the members for your mongering. He's speculating on an announcement that hasn't. Members, let's listen to the answer, please. Order. Members, let's listen to the answer. Minister will continue. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I'm from a forest industry. I understand the forest industry. I understand the repercussions of what happens in forest industries when there's downturns, when mills are closed. I understand what happens because I lived through it. I lived through 30,000 people in this province losing jobs. I lived through 30,000 people losing jobs without any supports from the government Members. that sat here, that are now the opposition across the way. Members, Members, question had already been asked. Now the time for answer. Please. Unlike members opposite, we are ensuring there are going to be supports in place. We are ensuring that if there are going to be any repercussions, that there will be supports in place. And I will be announcing those this afternoon. And I will make sure to, that the members opposite get a full briefing on what we're announcing, a full briefing on the supports we are now announcing, a full briefing on how we are moving forward with a vision for forestry in this province, a vision that none of them ever came forward with, a vision. includes that we protect the most ancient, the most rare old growth in this province. Our vision is about Indigenous people who have a full voice in the management of the forest on their traditional territory. And our vision, our vision is about securing work for workers, for communities that will benefit from a secure, sustainable forest industry that will be here for generations to come. Bell ends the question period.